first batch of homebrew. This is Beer Works Mersey Dockers IPA. It's 6.7 or 8% or something. There's very little of it left, so I thought I'd review it for you now. So here we are. So there it is. It's a nice clear golden colour that's actually cleared a lot since the last time I saw it. A couple of weeks ago. Multi-smelling IPA. 
on the back end. I'm enjoying that. It's really nice. Mm. My second attempt at homebrew. I did some homebrew about ten years ago or so. Sweet on the front. Got like a bitter kick on the back end. That's a good IPA that. I'm going to give that a four out of five. That is really nice. But great afternoon. Do yourself whatever you're doing. Stay safe. And I'll see you in a bit for another one. For my second beer, I went all the way back to the beginning, to the Down the Danube box, to a brewery from Hungary called Rektai. And I'm fairly sure I've had Rektai when I've been at Budapest Beer Week. So let's see what they said about it. The article on Rektai is written by Beer52's Louise Crane. Like all the best breweries, Rektai started out with a pun. On the edge of the Danube in Hungary, there's a giant glass and metal building shaped like a whale that lay empty for years before becoming a shopping centre. At the end of this mall you'll find Jonas, but no, not the man from the biblical tale. A brew house established by the Rectoid Trefan brothers of Zoltan and Coralie in 2013. Customers sit under a mural depicting how beer is made, while drinking beer from the Rectoid microbrewery out of town. Their first beer, Ravaz Hod, Crafty Beaver, launched here in 2013 and they've not looked back since. Instead, they look into the trends of today and create the ones of tomorrow. Speaking to Zoltan about the creation of Jonas, he says, The goal was to create something unique where we'd be happy to spend time, and we're picky customers. So we wanted to create an environment where we are satisfied with the service and the quality of the beers. We also wanted to make it unique, so it's pretty easy to realise we should have our own beer. They started out as Gypsy Brewers contract brewing beer elsewhere. And while the bar was running, the brothers were simultaneously trying to open up their own brewery. A pretty hard task at the time, Salton explained. Things have changed ever since, but at that point it was really, really difficult to get licences and everything. It was almost a year between opening the bar and opening the brewery. So that was the basic idea. If you're a manufacturer, you're a wholesaler. And if you're the final seller as well, then it makes your place unique. But you also have three times the costs. Of course, at that time we didn't know much about how to run a brewery. We still have our problems and our ups and downs. Ever since, it's been a constant investment and a huge learning curve. But we're getting there. When Jonas opened in November of 2013, apart from Saska Sajur, only good beer, the Beer Aficionados Institution with 300 different bottles lining the walls, there was only one other place dedicated to craft beer in Budapest. There wasn't really a Hungarian craft beer scene back then, Saska Sajur was mostly selling good quality beer from Belgium and Britain rather than Hungarian beers. In 2013 there were about 30 breweries in the country, mostly old school beers, according to Zoltan. Nothing really special or good quality, aiming for low cost. This new boom started in 2014 and we were the second brewery. Legend were the first. Zoltan is at pains to make out that Legend are not egomaniacs. They're actually located on a street called Legend. This is where we actually contract brewed in the beginning, and then we opened up our own brewery. Then came Monio, Mad Scientist and other breweries. They opened up about half a year later. Alright, I'll just pause it there. 
Monio are great. Monio, I went into well, Monio. I had a Monio. There was a Monio in this box, and I've got a load of Monio around. I'll have to review those for you sometime. And Mad Scientist. Mad Scientist are great. I've spoke to the brewer from Mad Scientist. He's a really nice chap. And Mad Scientists have their bar in one of the what they call ruin pubs. They're like abandoned buildings that have been reclaimed they now have several bars and several businesses in them. The big nightlife spots back on the show when I did the Down the Danube box and I talked about a bar in Liverpool that was the same and I couldn't for the life of me remember the name of it. So you come out of Brewdog and turn down Seal Street heading back towards the city centre and you get down to Seal Street you get down past the end of Concert Square and there's a little gate in the wall and this gate in the wall leads you into a bar called Casimir Garden and this is very much along the lines of a Hungarian ruin pub. So you walk in, it's a big outdoor space where it's enclosed on two sides but there's no roof. It's like a big courtyard with lots of seating. You walk down, there's a bar at one end. And then I didn't go off and explore but there's another few rooms off to the other side at the end near the bar. And this is very much along the style of the ruin pubs in Budapest. Um, so sort of mad scientists have got their bar in one of these things on the top floor in Budapest called Simpler Kurt. And for a small refundable deposit you can have your beers for the evening served in a glass that looks like a lab beaker. And if you don't want your deposit back, it's about, I think it's the equivalent of about two or three pound. If you don't want it back, you can keep the glass. I've always wanted to but felt it wouldn't survive the trip home. However, I have brought several glasses back from festivals abroad since, so maybe next time, eh? Anyway, I digress. Back to this article. In the beginning, you know, it's like classic. Everybody tried to make big beers, big alcohol, big hops, big everything. We slowly developed everything and have changed our brew house twice since we opened. Now we're going with something we can accept. The brew kit is pretty sophisticated with a free whirlpool cooler and reverse osmosis water treatment. It's not really automated, explained Zoltan. The big upside of the brewery is that we can touch the beer at any point. It allows us a wide movement area in personalising and making these beers unique, which is a good thing. The pre-whirlpool cooler, for example, is very important, and we also have a reverse osmosis water cleaner, which was also one of the first in Hungary. This allows us to create the water profile for every beer differently. So we're not brewing with the same water for every beer, but we're running it through the RO, then adding the minerals exactly to the type of beer we're brewing. So like an IPA would require a different water profile to a lager, or a wheat beer, or a sour. So you have to make the adjustment, and you can only do this if you can touch the beer at every point. So it's not the most modern brew house, but it's a handy little thing, absolutely. Zoltan is not the kind of brewer who slavishly follows styles. So there's a classic description for every type of beer. But I want to put some kind of twist on it all the time. For example, we've just brewed a Goza, which aren't meant to be hoppy. So we've dry hopped it. So there you go. There's something you're not necessarily going to expect. And incidentally, that was the first sour beer brewed in Hungary too. This beer is LAB, short for lactoacid bacteria which are responsible for the sourness in a goza. It's not too sour, not too salty, just really refreshing. Then there's the sour Nipah, Kettlesaurus, 
bobbing in at 8% ABV. I'm not saying I invented it because that would sound really stupid and it's not even true. But definitely some well experienced beer drinkers tried the first batch and they were like, what the fuck? This beer doesn't exist at all. How does Rexai respond to the pressure to carry on innovating and surprising people? Zoltan says, in this industry, if you think your beer is ready, you're dead. To think you made something perfect is hubris, and that's not cool. You've got to be the humble go-to beer. It's a living thing, you know. We're constantly improving the brewery. We're setting up a laboratory right now so that we don't have to send our samples off for testing at other labs. And also, microbiological tests mean that we are experimenting with yeast more deliberately. They may not be brewing for geeks, but Zoltan tips his hat to mad scientists, who he says are much better than that. Unlike Rexai, they have the capacity to come up with a new beer every two weeks. Especially as this beer 52 order took up our fermenting capacity. So trying to be innovative and leading the scene are two different things. We may not be leading the scene, but we try to be innovative and look for new ideas. You can never be satisfied with your stuff. You always have to improve it. But we are now. We can put our face next to it. So there we have it. That's a little bit about Rectide Brewing. Let's see what I thought of their beer. This was a dark lager. And something strange had happened to it. The can had partly exploded. Hey. Hey guys, watch me get covered in beer. Tonight I have a can of Rekatai from Hungary and I have a can of their dark lager and as you can see it's all puffed up around the top. So I'm going to open this over the sink because I think this is going to explode everywhere. This has a news bite of 16th of the 4th, 20. Two and a half months out of date. What glass am I going to use? I will use my new glass, my Beer 52 Cyberfest 2 glass. So I'm going to open this over the sink as I half expect it to explode. So here we go, three, two, one. No, it actually opened quite well. No explosion there, so let's go back to my normal seat. So I was half expecting that to go bang, because it's completely puffed up. Finally got one of my Beer 52 glasses out. What's it got on it? What's the design? It's uh, some sort of chalice. Hey, look at that, it's completely puffed up at the top. So let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. Whoa! Maybe I should have done that over the sink. That is good. That is lively, 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 lively. Ah. Oh crap, that is lively. Look at the head on that. That has got a one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight finger foamy head. Look at that. Wow. It didn't explode when I opened the can, but it did explode when I pulled it out. So what's the ABV on this? I think it was 4.8. Where's my count? There it is. 4.5. Certain Barnasaur. If I served something that looked like that to a customer at a beer festival, I'd ask, do you want a flake with that? Still takes all right. Oh, and I'm drifting down this clean shirt. Typical. That is not going to go down anytime soon, I don't think. I left my dick's phone over there because the moment it exploded everywhere, I ran to the sink. Run to the sink, run for your life. It's slowly getting there, slowly, slowly, slowly. I'll let that settle now. 
It's got a very interesting design on the can. It's like a chalice. Ah, uh, there we go. Head's finally settled. A creamy and flavoral dark lager with the aromatic signs of coffee, but there's none in it. We achieved this with roasted barley and long aging. The head's gone down now to a about a one finger, so that's drinkable. Right, that head is just about dissipated now. It's down to half finger, so let's get this down. We're not like I did earlier. Mmm, that is interesting. Very malty, very bitter. Not really to my taste, but it's not bad. It's got like a rye taste to it. It's got like a smoky taste to it, like a rye. Well, I don't recognise it as coffee, but I do recognise it as smoked. It does taste like smoked rye or something. Cheers, everyone. Give that three and a half out of five. Uh, it's a bit weird, but it's not too bad. There's a little bit of juiciness like plum. Maybe there's a little bit like dark fruit juiciness on it. Um, plum, blackcurrant, red currant, that sort of thing. But yeah, not bad. Especially something that was on the verge of exploding everywhere. Alright, I'm going to go. Have a great evening. Enjoy yourself what you're doing. Stay safe. For our next beer, we're going all the way back to the beginning. To the box of beer before the Down the Zendu box. This ended up being my second beers from Lockdown show. But it was actually my first box of beer from Beer 52, my free box. All the way back in May of 2019. Beer and food. The Beer 52 table projects. There's two beers left from this box. Let's see which one of them I had first. Beer and food. Feed your soul with the universe's greatest double act. So I'll give you a quick reminder of what this was, this was about, because this was quite some time ago. So the Table Project was an initiative set up by Beer52, where they collaborated with some of London's best restaurants to brew beers that they wanted to brew. They worked with the owners of, I think it was 12 independent London restaurants, small restaurants. To create the type of beers the business owners wanted. Three did the introduction about table. Love of beer and love of food have always gone hand in hand. And why wouldn't they? Both blend science and technical skill with creativity and self-expression. To produce something that rises from the purely functional, meeting our need for sustenance. To become a source of fun, social interaction and physical pleasure. That's why we created Table, an ongoing brewing project to explore the relationship between food and beer in all its many forms. To start this journey, we've worked with 12 of London's most interesting progressive restaurants and chefs to create an exclusive selection of beers. For a restaurant in Soho. Freak Scene. Freak Scene is another one of those amazing London restaurants which garnered a cult following as a best kept secret pop-up before moving to a hip new premises with a greatly expanded menu and ready-made word-of-mouth frenzy. And wow, it's well deserved. Formerly head chef at Nobu Park Lane and Nobu Melbourne, Freak Scene founder Scott Holdsworth brings all his gastronomic experience and virtuosity to beer at his new venture, an amazing contemporary Japanese-American grazing-style restaurant served up in its spiritual home of Soho. There's a real joy in Japanese culture here expressed with fun and irreverence. 
as diners are treated to a sensory riot of artwork, retro posters, eccentric decor and screens showing Japanese game shows on a loop. This is absolutely reflected by the confident and creative menu which embraces the eclecticism of modern Japan and runs with it. Tuna sashimi pizza with truffle ponzu anyone? It gets away with such flamboyance though. The ingredients are first class and the cooking predictably masterful. Having spent his career to date impressing critics, wooing celebrity fans and making a name for himself in the hyper-competitive world of contemporary Japanese cuisine, there's a sense that Matthew has given himself license to have fun and has invited all of us to join him. We say, long may his freak flag fly. Creating the beer. We tried to reflect some classic Asian iced tea flavour combinations in this beer. To create something super refreshing with lots of floral, fruit and tannic notes. Yuzu is very popular in beer right now and with good reason. It works phenomenally well and really lends itself to food pairing. We decided to go for a New England style and give it a nice rich yeasty body to match the chewy character of the fruit. So there we have it, there's your intro to Freak Sing. Let's see what I thought of their beer. Sounds a great restaurant. Maybe I'll get to go This is somewhere. a New England IPA with Yuzu. Four and a half percent. Comes in a 330ml bottle. So this was the Beer 52 collab. It says on untapped is what it says on the bottle so it's going to be easy to read it off here. A bold punchy beer. New England IPA with Yuzu is a deliciously fruity pale ale with a soft and delicate mouthfeel that abounds with citrus and tropical flavours. Tempered with a little tannin from the tea and pleasant perfumey aromas. So it's a tea infused one. Let's get this out into my glass. I am drinking out of my Beer 52 Cyberfest glass. And as always with the bottles, my De Heidenberg bottle opener. It has a plain white bottle cap and the label is a group of people looks like something from the Middle East, not the Middle East, the Far East. Oh, there we are. Best before, 1st the 10th, 19. <laughs> Nine months out of date. The label is purple, dark blue and light blue. It's got a plain white bottle cap. Get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. I've just seen a review of this from one of my friends on Untapped who refuses to rate it because it's out of date. Oh, it smells good. Well, a nice golden colour. It's got a two finger foamy white head. Mmm, smells nice. Smells good. Does have a little bit of a tea smell, I suppose. Alright, let's get this down me and see what I think of it. Mmm, it's not bad. Um, yeah, it's got like a tea taste to it, it's got like a bitterness to it. Mmm. I'm assuming that's the yuzu, I'm not entirely sure what yuzu is. It's a hybrid citrus fruit from the Far East. A hybrid of the Mandarin Orange and Ichang Papeda, whatever that is. So, I haven't a clue. I'm still totally clueless. I'm going to give that a 3.5 out of 5. It's not bad, it's a bit weird. For a fruited beer it could do with being a little sweeter for me, but it's not a bad little beer, that. Have a great evening, guys. I'll see you guys soon. Have a great evening. Enjoy yourself what you do. I'll see you soon. And I went into that beer thinking, 
music. Isn't that that catch-up TV service? Oh no, that's you. Sorry, my bad. We started this show with a review of my homebrew, Mersey Dockers IPA. And we're going to finish on batch two of my homebrew. This one came from a homebrew company called Young's. The best in homebrew established 1968. Welcome to Young's Homebrew. Young's Homebrew, established in 1968 by Robert, I'm assuming that's Robert Young, is recognised as the front runner for wholesale homebrewing supplies in the UK, Europe and throughout the world. Our expertise and pure professionalism as an independent business, we take homebrewing to the next level by investing in the industry as a whole, its own facilities, training and more importantly, speed and quality of service. Based at the hub of the Midlands Motorway Network, delivering on time, every time, from our vast modern premises, via our own fleet of delivery vehicles. With over 2,500 product lines representing leading major brand products, some exclusively, ensuring a wide variety of choice. Our inventory is tightly controlled to ensure maximum stock turn, to give retailers and consumers maximum best before end dates. So we are ensuring the customer endures a quality product. No one knows homebrewing better. To stay ahead of the competition, you have to excel and have no doubt about it. That's precisely what we do. So well, that's a little bit about Young's Homebrew. They do beers, wines, cures, distilling, they sell individual ingredients, brewing accessories, and they even let you do alcohol shops as well. Got another one of these somewhere. That's what I've got coming up next. So I've got a I've got a different one in the fermenter at the moment, some from a uh, company called uh, Bulldog. I've got Bad Cat from Bulldog in the fermenter at the moment, which will be bottled either today or tomorrow as we are now the 22nd and after that I have a pack of their OK drum ale but for the moment this was the American Mocha Porter here we go this is what it says they've even got labels for it wow I want my oh I want my printer I want my printer so this was the three kilogram American Mocha Porter kit this is the description off Young's website the American Mocha Porter is a modern take on traditional stouts and porters, popular in Britain since the 1700s. When the American craft beer movement started in the 1970s, innovative brewers were looking for new styles to create, so radical revamps and amalgamations of old styles from their brewing forefathers seemed like an obvious place to start. This beer brings together, in suitably dramatic style, the best of two classic styles, the coffee porter and the chocolate stout. Our American Mocha Porter looks the part, pouring dark chocolate with a big white fluffy head. With bags of coffee and chocolate essence reinforcing and magnifying the natural rich roasty character of the malts, the beer flaunts a wonderfully intense aroma of coffee and chocolate which explodes from the glass. Quite literally if you don't brew it quite right. It's better than exploding from the bottle I suppose. With the heavenly seductive pairing of coffee and chocolate linking perfectly with the natural porter character. The beer is sure to delight dark beer lovers, coffee addicts and chocoholics alike. Look. Pours dark chocolate with a big fluffy white head. Aroma. Amazing intensive aroma of coffee and chocolate explode from the glass. Flavour. Amazing flavour. There's a great complexity there. Coffee and chocolate character comes through nicely. But not overpowering. Looks nicely with the natural ported character. That's what Young say about their homebrew mocha porter. Let's see how I fared and how this compared with other porters, because you know me. 
Coffee porters and chocolate porters are my favourite style of beer, apart from double IPAs. So let's see how I fared brewing an American mocha porter. This is the moment I have been waiting for. The moment I've been waiting for for about six weeks then. This is the world premiere of my home-brewed mocha porter. I've tried this a couple of times out of the fermenter, so I've been sat in the bottles for several weeks now. So here we go, the world premiere. And there we go, that should be enough to taste. So this comes in a 500ml bottle. During lockdown my dad and I have been doing some home brewing. I reviewed the first of those home brews yesterday. This was our second batch, this was my choice, this is a, uh, it's called Young's. Nothing to do with Wells and Young's, this is Young's homebrew. Mocha Porter. So, there it is, it's a nice black colour. Mmm, smells good. Smells of mocha, so, cheers be old mocha. is nice nice a little bit of sweetness on it a little bit of bitterness on it mmm mmm oh that's come out quite well that's come out really well that oh I'm liking that I'm enjoying that um, I'm gonna give that a four out of five that is nice I'm enjoying that yeah 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 right I'm gonna go cheers everyone have a great evening, enjoy yourself whatever you're doing. I'll see you sometime soon. And if you enjoyed that, I've got a treat coming up for you in a few weeks. As I said earlier, in the fermenter at the moment, about to be bottled, is Bulldog Brew's Bad Cat, a 7.5% Imperial Red Ale. I'll be bringing you that review in about three weeks. Must have come
Over the weekend of the 11th of July, I got to go home for a couple of days. So I pulled a couple of beers out my cupboard on the Saturday night and I started with a beer from Roosters Bruco at Nairsborough, a can of their Northern Powerhouse. So here's a bit about them off their website. The year is 1993 and England have failed to qualify for the World Cup. Two Unlimited are on top of the pops with their dance smash hit No Limit. Shane Ward has bowled the ball of the century and Roosters Brewing Co has just hatched, forever changing the shape of beer in the UK. Originators and innovators of quality New World Pale Ales with an emphasis on flavour and aroma, our beers start to stand out and turn heads amongst a sea of brown beer with Yankee, our flagship pale ale, leading the way. Love Yankee. Yankee is brilliant. Yankee is an amazing beer. When did I first drink Roosters Yankee? Fast forward over a quarter of a century, with countless awards being won along the way, at competitions, at home and abroad. Our ethos has always remained the same, to consistently brew quality, easy-drinking, well-balanced beers in cask, keg and can. Famed for brewing pale ales, we also enjoy playing around with different styles and flavours along the way. Our collection of awards and festival wins dates back to the mid-1990s during which time the world beyond the four walls of the brewery has changed quite dramatically. Since the first time we mashed, we've witnessed the end of apartheid in South Africa, the opening of the Channel Tunnel, and a British tennis player win a Grand Slam title for the first time since 1977. Coincidence? In a word, yes. 
Our most recent success has come in the shape of gold medal wins at both the 2017 International Brewing Awards. We actually won gold, silver and bronze, following on from the bronze we bagged in 2015. At the Sibber North East Beer Competition. Three golds and one bronze. But who's counting? Prior to this we can boast three World Beer Cup medals, as well as selection of gongs from camera beer festivals up and down the country. Having previously established Franklin's Brewery in 1980, Sean Franklin founded Roosters Brewing Co in 1993 and, along with wife Allison and son Sam, won three gold medals at the prestigious World Beer Cup in 2006, 2008 and 2010. YPA won gold in both 2006 and 2008 and also bagged silver in 2010, with Leghorn pipping it to the top spot in the Summer Ale category by bringing home the gold that year. There you go, how's that? You beat yourself to the gold. How many people could say, oh, they beat themselves to a gold medal? In 2011, Sean decided to retire, and with his son Sam already having flown the nest to Canada, chose to sell the brewery to Ian Fozard and his sons, Oliver, the head brewer, and Tom, their commercial director. Over a quarter of a century since being established, Roosters remains an independent, family-owned and operated brewery, and is still winning gold medals on the international stage as well as closer to home. And I first drank Yankee when I first moved to this area, funnily enough, although I haven't seen it for a couple of years now. I first encountered Bruce's Yankee at Telford's Warehouse in Chester on the 20th of October 2013, and I last had it at the Wilkins Weatherspoon in Liverpool on the 6th of February 2018. But by far one of my favourite beers from Bruce's is their baby-faced assassin which I first drank at the Ship and Mitre in Liverpool on the 3rd of May 2016. When I first worked at Hoylake Beer Festival over August Bank Holiday in 2016, Babyface Assassin became the first beer of the festival to sell out, before the end of the first day. This beer I had from them I can't quite remember where I picked it up from, although it was some time ago. It was a collaboration beer with Magic Rock Brewing at Huddersfield. It was called Northern Powerhouse. It's a 4.5% IPA, so let's see what I thought of it. Hey guys, welcome back. It's good to be back. I'm back at my place for the weekend. Just back for the weekend, as I can. It's a lovely day here. It's up to 17 degrees now, and it feels it. And I've pulled something out of my fridge. Something very old. Today I have a can of something that was probably discontinued a long time ago. Roosters Northern Powerhouse. Collaboration with Magic Rock Brewing for their 25th anniversary. And I know this was out of date a long time ago. It says limited edition, lightly filtered. I know I've had this a long time ago because it was out of date on the 12th of the 10th, 18. Canned on 12th of the 1st, 18. Used by 12th of the 10th, 18. So I had 10 months on it. Still over two and a half years out of date. There we go. Right. What does it say on the side of it? A soft, juicy second IPA with both multi sweetness and hot bitterness. Bursting with citrus and tropical fruit flavours with a hint of pine from a blend of Azaka, Mosaic and Simcoe hops. Northern Powerhouse is the first of Rooster's 25th anniversary collaboration product beers and has been fermented using Magic Rocks yeast strain. Here it is. It's in a black can with white writing on it. As I'm stood outside, I can't hold my glass and open the can, so let's open this can. Wow. 
Look at that. That's been in the fridge for two years and it's just completely fizzed up all over the place. It's completely enveloped the rim. The key tabs have vanished. This isn't the first one I've had like this in the last few weeks, as you well know. Right. Mm. Ooh. If that foam's anything to go by, that's going to be quite nice. There we go. Pick up me glass. Today I am drinking out of my Manchester Beer Festival 2020 glass. From January. Wow, that seems a lifetime ago now. That seriously seems so long ago. There we go. That'll settle to the half line. It's poured a nice, clean, light golden colour with a two-finger, extremely foamy white head. It's got bubbles running up it. There's a good amount of carbonation in that. Cheers, everyone. Right, let's have a swig of this and see what I think of it. Mm. Ooh, but that hasn't lost anything. That's nice, that. Mm, quite bitter. Mm. Mm. Oh, I like that. Mm. That's not bad, that. Very much a hot bitterness, that. Mm. It's not bad. The sweetness has gone. That's not too bad. I'm going to give that a three and a half out of five. Not a bad little IPA for four and a half percent. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. Enjoy what you're doing. Stay safe. I'll see you soon. My second beer at home was a big one. Something I picked up from Cloud Water in Manchester some time ago because this beer is no longer in production. Cloudwater Brewco's 9% IIPA Centennial. Another brewery I discovered when I first moved up to the Wirral. Well, this is what the About section on Cloudwater's website say. Our work at Cloudwater starts with the intention of helping you relax and unwind with the finest quality modern beers we can make. We employ all the passion, skills, dreams and experience of our team to harness up-to-the-minute brewing science and techniques out of respect for the ingredients, our suppliers work hard and grow and process. And out of our gratitude for your support and trust. We are devoted to offering you value through bold precise flavours, bottomless drinkability, the lowest possible off flavour presentation and consistency from one beer to the next. Founded in 2014, we brewed our first beer on February 14th, 2015. In our short history, we have made hundreds of different beers in styles old, new, classical and imagined, evolving our brewing skills, honing our sensory evaluation techniques and trialling fermentation and process changes in pursuit of ever higher quality beer. Outside our range of evolving and one-off seasonal beers, we collaborate with some of the world's best breweries and we also produce modern takes on classic styles. Though modern beer is our focus, we honour those who trailblaze around us and that pioneered before us by a consistent focus on quality and innovation. Our beer is brewed and packaged in our brewery in Manchester City Centre from the finest quality ingredients we can buy. Our 24 hectolitre Premier Stainless Systems brew house, an 18 fermenter, 840 hectolitre cellar 
allow us to work with precision and consistency. Our ABE Lincan 60 can canning line and sub 5 degree cold store allow us to package and store our beer with minimum degradation of flavour or quality. We are independently owned and directed by our co-founder Paul Jones and committed to running an ethically conscious human-centred business with values that we all hold dear. Our intention is to support and nurture the food, drink and creative communities of Manchester, showcase the passion and innovation and ambition of the North and help the UK lead the way in on-reach tradition whilst pushing the boundaries and evolving taste through modern seasonal beer. The future of modern British beer springs forth from our efforts today. You have our word that behind every beer is work to evolve, develop, educate and ensure the future of the industry and your beer experiences reach the highest of heights. So that's a little about Cloudwater. According to Untapped I have drunk 70 beers over the years from Cloudwater. My first coming at Telford's Warehouse in Chester on the 7th of November 2015 when I tried their seasonal beer Autumn Range Red Ale. My next two encounters of Cloudwater were the same beer. I had their Winter Range Stout at the Smithfield Market Tavern in Manchester on the 6th of December 15 and 10 days later in the cellar in Chester. But my real introduction to Cloudwater Brewery came in April of 2016 when I attended a beer festival at Northern Monk Brewery in Leeds. This beer festival would go on to become their highly successful Hop City Festival. And the beer I had was from their double IPA range, Dipper version 3. I first developed my love for Cloudwater over August Bank Holiday of 2016 when I drank their double IPA version 6 at Peterborough Beer Festival. And then in October of 2016 I had their double IPA version 8 at Dead Crafty Beer Company in Liverpool. I still have bottles of Dipper version 6, 7, 8 and 10 and cans of 11, 12 and 13. This one I probably picked up either in some time in 2016 or in early 2017. So let's see what I thought of Cloudwater Bruco's IIPA Centennial. Tonight I have something for you very very special. I've pulled something out of my fridge. Tonight I have a can of Cloudwater IIPA Centennial. 9% double IPA. Comes in a 440ml can. I know what you're going to say. You're going to say... That was years ago. It was. It in fact has a use-by of September 2017. And it says aye aye on the bottom. So the description for this says Introducing our first large batch IPA. An imperial IPA. Inspired by modern West Coast IPAs with low yeast ester presentation to let the aroma hops shine. Centennial in the Whirlpool with Amarillo, Centennial and Simcoe in the dry hop. So, there it is. It's got a blue label with green dots on it. Let's get this down me and see what I think. I've obviously had this a long time. I've obviously had this about three years. It says drink fresh on it, as most of Crown Water stuff do. Alright. I have got my Manchester Beer Festival glass. Mm, it smells dank. third line. It's a cloudy, completely opaque, golden colour. It has a one finger foamy white head. 
It smells dank, but then again, that's what cloud water IPAs smell like, generally. Cheers, everyone. Mmm. Mmm. Yeah, tastes just like it smells, very dank. Lots of bitterness on it. It's got like a sweetness at the beginning, it's quite dry to finish. Very thick. Very gloopy. I'll give that a... Give that a three and a half out of five. I shouldn't be necking it because he's 9%. Have a good evening. Enjoy the rest of your evening. My first beer out of my Beer 52 selection this week comes from the Beer 52 Awards, which was Beers from Lockdown Volume 3. And this beer came from a brewery in Hackney, London, called Five Points. This is what Beer 52 have to say on Five Points Brewing. What to say about Five Points that hasn't already been said? A worthy winner of our staff pick, Five Points is one of the most consistently great breweries in the country. A yardstick of quality against which other breweries, young and old, measure themselves. Particularly when new beer tastings begin to feel a little like taste bud roulette. The sight of a Five Points can is mana from heaven. You know it's going to be excellent before you crack the seal. Ed Mason, along with his business partner and head brewer Greg Hobbs, Establishes Five Points under the railway arches of Hackney Down Station in East London back in July of 2013. From the outset, Hackney has not just been a core part of the brewery's identity, but also home to their loyal base of local customers. It's even named after the landmark Five Ways Junction that sits 100 metres from the brewery floor, where five of East London's major roads meet. I've always had an aspiration to brew my own beer. And at the time, it felt like there was a real gap in the market, Mason says of his decision to add brewing to his hospitality resume. As a long-time fan of Cascale, Mason and business parker Greg Hobbs were, like so many, also inspired by the flavourful modern beers arriving from the United States. Mason comments that even as recently as 2010, London brewers were still predominantly focused on British styles. While it continues to delight hunters of new beers, it's the Five Points core range that gives the brewery its identity. Its classic railway porter remains Mason's favourite beer to this day. And if you've never tried it on cask, we recommend heading for the Five Points own Pembury Tavern as soon as is practicable. Well, that's what Beer 52 have to say on Five Points. This was a bit of an odd one. This was a micro pale. This was a one-off brew and it says on their website, Micro pale is a low strength table pale ale. At 3.3% it's micro in strength, but definitely not micro in taste. We've packed it with Cascade and Vic Secret hops, so it's bursting with flavours of grapefruit and citrus. I'm not used to drinking low ABV beers, so let's see what I thought of a 3.3% beer. My first beer for tonight comes from London, from Five Points Brewing Company. It's a bottle of their Micro Pale Low Strength Session Pale Ale. It says 3.3% on the bottle, which is interesting because it says 2.8% on taps. And this is an award-winning beer. So it's been downstairs in the cool, it's had a few minutes in the fridge while I set up. It has a use-by of 20th of the 3rd 20. The five points bottle cap, that's your bottle, it's a white label with blue text and a red magnifying glass over the R. Comes in a 330ml bottle and there is a description for this, let's just see if it's... 
No, it's different. I'll read you what it says in the bottle first and then I'll read you what it says on the tapped. Micro for its sessionable low strength. This micro pale ale is far from micro in taste. Brewed with citrusy cascade hops, we've also added oats for silky smooth body. So that's what the bottle says. And tapped says, Micro pale ale is a brand new low strength table pale ale. It's micro in strength, but definitely not in taste. We've packed it with Cascade and Vic Secret, so it's bursting with hot flavours of grapefruit and citrus. Let's get this out into my glass. I've got my beer to Cyberfest glass tonight. Right, let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. As always, I have my De Heide Bruyere bottle opener. Three, two, one. There we go. Oh, I can smell that. I can smell that. Very seriously, it's bubbling up the top. It's a very dark golden colour. It's got a one and a half finger foamy white head. So let's get this down and see what I think. There's hardly anything to it. There's a little bit of taste there right on the front. It's like what would happen if you put Perrier water in grapefruit juice. That is really weird. It's got like a main underlying taste on that is Perrier water, carbonated water. And then there's an absolutely tiny taste of hops. It's also quite dry on the back end. That is really weird, I'm not keen on that. Sorry if I believe I'm not keen on that then again. That really just tastes like fizzy water. No, that's not for me, I'm going to give that 2 out of 5. I've had much better tasting 3.4, 3.5, 3 3.6% beers. I've had a much better tasting 2.8% beer. I'm going to go and have a good evening. Hope you're enjoying yourselves. Enjoy yourselves what you're doing. We are returning to a town and a brewery I covered on the first edition of Beers from Lockdown. When we went down the Danube, we visited the town of Bad Radkersburg and a brewery called Brauhaus Bivog. And then we returned for our penultimate beer from this box. A beer with a simple name and a name that I will explain in the review. This is off their Facebook page. Our story. Bivog Microbrewery is the fruit of inquisitiveness and aspiration towards discovering new drinking experiences. It is the result of enthusiasm, love and zeal. We brew beers with character and soul. Our goal is to transcend the limits of the known and the ordinary. We have had enough of a monotonous beer offer and the belittling of beer. Beer can be, and is, much more than that. Bivog Brewery is dedicated primarily to beers of top fermentation, more commonly known as ales. The ales we brew originate from England. In the last few decades, this highly diverse type of beer has been given greater breadth with a wider range of flavours and has been shifting the boundaries of individual styles and becoming more and more popular around the world. It's gaining popularity not only with beer lovers and beer drinkers, 
but with general gourmets, chefs and people who are always willing to explore new flavours, experiences and who care about they ingest. This was an interesting beer from the Who Cares series. Hey guys, welcome back. Tonight I am taking you all the way back to the beginning, back to the first beers from lockdown. When I reviewed beers from a box of beer called Down the Danube and a particular brewery from Austria. In the subsequent weeks I've had several more from this brewery and it's still in the fridge. <laughs> I'm taking you back to Austria, to the town of Bad Radkersburg, to Brauhaus Bivok. Or I will do when I go get out of the fridge. And this is going to be an interesting one. This wasn't intentional, but this is another low alcohol beer. It's 3.6% from Brauhaus Bivog's Who Cares Editions series. This is a Berliner Weiss with a raspberry called Lolita. She doesn't look too healthy, does she? <laughs> the art for this is a skeleton dressed in a yellow top and green shorts laid on top of the word Lolita with Berliner Weiss with fruit 3.5% as a big sign next to her. Drinking out of my flavourly glass this time. This comes in a 330ml can. So I'm going to get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. The description for this one untapped reads the best you can get out of raspberries in one so fruity and amazingly refreshing beer that will make you jumble like it's Christmas already. Berliner Weiss style beer, brewed with lactobacillus and yeast, and then enhanced to perfection with real raspberries and rhubarb, which helped to make this an insane tart thirst quencher. Oh my, see you at the bar. And we didn't even mention the colour. So I'm assuming this is going to be red. <laughs> Let's get this out into my glass and see what I think of it. And I said, there we go. Oh yeah, look at that colour. That is, that is pink. That is pink. Wow. That is pink. It's not often I've seen a beer as pink as that. Oh yeah, it smells of raspberry. Oh yeah. It is opaque pink. It has a half finger foamy white head. Maybe a quarter finger foamy white head. Like, let's get this down and see what I think. I hope I don't spill it down this shirt though. It's got a mark. Cheers everyone. Mmm. Ooh. Now that's got some taste for a low alcohol beer. It's only three and a half percent. Mmm, oh yeah, well that's nice. Nice, refreshing. Not as tart as I was expecting. A little bit dry on the back end. Oh, but that is nice. Mmm, mmm, that is nice. Could do with a little bit more tang to it for a Berliner voice for my taste, but a little bit more on the sourness. But again, it finishes like the other one with that like carbonated water taste, but it's right on the back end of this one. I'm going to do that three and a half out of five. That is nice, I'm like that. I'm enjoying that. 
Cheers guys, have a great evening. Do this as what you doing. Stay safe. I've covered this brewery a couple of times before on the show, bringing you information from different sources. Let's look at what Beer 52 have to say on the Garden Brewery. Taken from Ferment Magazine issue 41 from Down the Danube, Richard Crosell visits the Garden Brewery. How does your garden brew? Arriving at Zagreb's central coach station after a short and beautiful bus ride, I feel that heady mix of excitement and displacement that comes with arriving in a strange city alone, with a relatively little idea of how I reach my next stop. Fortunately, that concern is quickly answered. The transport in Zagreb is as comprehensive as it is user-friendly. A cheap day ticket covering unlimited trips by bus and the city's ubiquitous trams. Even though today is a public holiday, the number two tram arrives quickly to whisk me out of the town centre to an industrial area where the garden brewery has made its home. Tucked away behind what seems a graveyard for obsolete Coca-Cola vending machines, garden's name is picked out in incandescent light bulbs on a peeling brick red exterior. Inside, the brewery and tap room occupy a single cavernous space with plush furniture on a rough concrete floor. A burger counter in a bright yellow shipping container, a long bar with eight lines of garden's own beer, and, looming above it all, a mirror ball that I'm assured is the largest in any brewery in Europe. Because that's a competition, apparently. There's classic rock thrumming out of a baity sound system somewhere back in the depths of the brewery, audible under the shrill drangle of the bottling line. The brewery is close to the public today, but head brewer Tom O'Hara is around to greet me and share the brewery's story. The garden seed was planted around 15 years ago, when Brit Nick Colgan, a legendary taskmaster and former studio manager for UB40, and his business partners decided to open a bar in Zadar, which would run seasonally. This spawned into the idea of the Garden Dance Music Festival, which eventually transformed into the Love Festival, and was taken over by Love International. The team stayed in the events business though, essentially providing all the infrastructure you might need to put on a festival, including, crucially, alcohol, and working with all the big touring festivals coming to the region. The idea for the brewery arose about four years ago, initially as a way of reducing the festival business's largest overhead, booze. Garden was to be a simple production brewery in Zadar, operating seasonally, for the sole purpose of supplying thirsty music lovers. Obviously that idea snowballed, and here we are, says Tom cheerfully. We've been in this building for just over two years, and we're brewing all year round. This year we've opened two bars, one in the centre of Zagreb and one in Kovac, which is a small town, but the bar is essentially in a castle. If it goes well, we'll look at opening more bars, maybe even outside Croatia, in Italy and Germany. While Tom and his team are clearly passionate about beer, Garden's roots remain firmly in Nick Colgan's love of music. The brewery tap room has played host to the likes of Lee Scratch Perry, DJ Jazzy Jeff, DJ Newmark, Pete Rock and Andy Wetherill. Craig Charles has also brought his Funk and Soul show there three times, though the locals still know him as Dave Lister from Red Dwarf, much to his apparent chagrin. Between the bars and the festivals, around 40% of Garden's production goes through its own channels. It is focusing its effort on a small handful of local bars and restaurants and expanding its growing export business. As for the beers themselves, the core lineup reflects Croatia's love of big hoppy brews from the fruity citrus IPA to the bold and bitter West Coast style double IPA, which fresh out the tank is a dank and aromatic treat. There's also been a steady turnover of seasonals, 
where the brew team get to experiment with wilder ideas. Though Tom insists he gets his kicks from quality control and perfecting a handful of styles. Over the past year we've made a lot of different specials. Now we want to pick the best of those and start honing them. So that is the garden brewery. And I had one can left from the garden brewery. This was their hazy pale. Coming in at 5.5%. The description for this on the tap says Hazy and orange with big tropical fruit notes and a super dry finish. And tonight I am starting on a can of brewery from the Croatian capital Zagreb, the Garden Brewery. This is a can of their Hazy Pale, coming in at 4.8%, it comes in a 330ml can. And it says on it, Hazy and Orange with Big Tropical Notes. And this is just a month old, best before 9th of June 20. Can 9th September 19, so the day after my birthday. They gave it exactly 9 months this one. I'm drinking out of my beef to Cyberfest class. So let's get this out into the glass and see what I think of it. You know how I feel about the garden brewery from Croatia. Oh, well, that uh, opened with a hiss. Foaming out around the top of the can, just slightly. It's poured a nice golden colour, a little bit hazy, it's got a two finger foamy white head. Oh yeah, it definitely smells of orange, it says it smells of orange. There we go, that head has settled down to about a half finger. Yeah, very fruity, very orangey on the nose, so let's get this down me and see what I think. I'm about ready for this. The mouth is a bit dry. Mmm, mm. oh that's nice, nice that's fruity with an orange kick, very zesty. Cheers guys. Mmm, oh I like that, I do like that. There we go, I've only had one wrong one from the garden so far in everything I've drunk from them, so that is really nice. Mm. Big juicy, fruity, orangey, a little bit tropical, yeah, just orange and tropical flavours. Yeah, really nice. Gonna give that a 4 out of 5. Big thumbs up for the Garden Brewery. Cheers guys, have a great evening, do what you're doing, stay safe. I will see you soon. Zoe Adjanoya believes we are on the cusp of an African food revolution in her book. She says, it's the last continent of relatively unexplored food in the mainstream domain. For too long, Africans have kept this incredible food a greedy secret. Diners can now unlock this secret in the Institute of Light Culture Hub in Hackney, a space that is ten times bigger than her original kitchen she opened in Brixton during the summer of 2015. Five years after she started selling her West African food at Hackney Wicked Arts Festival. This offering consisted of a pot of... Nakatsun kwam, 
the cat sound quam, a peanut butter stew, ladled out to punters passing her flat, which she later transformed into an occasional restaurant after the stew's sell-out success. She's come a long way from those early days, now serving jollof chicken in lettuce wraps, plantain pork belly, acra soup, red spice bean stew, Kavasa strips with scotch bonnet salsa, Kowele spice chips and Kenki dumplings with sardines, handmade puff puff donuts and chin chin banoffee pies round off this hearty meal. Zoe has no formal training as a chef, just a huge curiosity for the food that makes up her heritage. Her mother is Irish and her father is Ghanan and until she was two years old she lived with her parental grandmother in Ghana. One day, observing her father cooking the base of his signature dish of tomatoes, onion and ginger and scotch bonnet, she asked how you know it's done. Her father pointed to the hob splashback, splattered in sauce, and said, when it's up there, it's done. Today, Zoe makes the same sauce in her kitchen, a space filled with found or recycled items, like the shelves made from an old pub sign her girlfriend rescued from the venue on their first date. It is a personal bridge to her ancestry and for her schools of customers adored to delicious cuisine. Creating the beer. We caught up with Zoe in the middle of food prep in the late afternoon, which was an amazing thing to behold. She's a great fan of beer, particularly dark beers, and has made a couple in the past. We wanted to make something lightly spiced which evoked the rich distinctive flavours of her style, but wasn't a chilli beer as such. Those flavours pair brilliantly with roasty, multi-dark beer and a light acidity and just a touch of chocolate sweetness. This one stands up brilliantly on its own or with food. We're going back to week two of beer from lockdown but this was actually my first box of beer from Beer 52. Zoe's Ghana Kitchen. Ghanaian Spice Porter 6% Oh crap is all I have to say on this. Contains water, malted barley, oats, Cocoa nibs, scotch bonnet, chilli peppers, hops in yeast. Had a best before of 1st of the 10th, 19. Bottled 1st of the 10th, 18. Had a year on it. So this is going to be really hot. This has got scotch bonnet in it. Scotch bonnet are one of the really, really spicy chillies. They uh, rate very highly on the Scoville scale. Scotch bonnet, also known as body peppers or Caribbean red peppers, is a variety of chilli pepper named for its resemblance of a tam o hat. It is ubiquitous to West Africa. Most Scotch bonnets have a heat rating of 80,000 to 400,000 Scoville, which means it's very hot. Brewed in collaboration with Zoe's Garner Kitchen. Rich cacao chilli porter with a roast character that sits well with a rounded chocolatey body and finishes with a subtle fruit heat. Let's get this out into my glass and see what I think. It's 6%. ABV. Oh, well, it smells chocolatey. Drinking out of my flavourly glass tonight. I can't find anything else. Oh, that's an interesting colour for a porter. It pours a very deep red. I usually associate porter with being black, but that is a very dark amber red colour. Smells of red fruit, of red berries. So let's see what I think of Ghanaian spiced porter. Cheers guys.
Oh, wow. That hasn't lost anything for being nine months out of day. Wow, it's still got that chili heat. It's nice and fruity. I said I could smell red fruit on it. Tastes a little bit, little bit like uh, Titanic Plum Porter. It's like what would happen if you brew Titanic Plum Porter and uh, drops three kilos of Scottish bonnet into it. <laughs> you, but you know me. You should know me by now. I love my spicy stuff. Oh wow, it's burning my mouth out. <laughs> I'm going to have to have some of the hazy to wash that down with. Oh, I'm glad I saved that till last. That is really, really nice. And then your mouth's on fire for about an hour afterwards. <laughs> Big thumbs up for that. Juicy, fruity, black fruit, red fruit. And then you get hit by the fire. Delicious. Four out of five. Really, really nice, huh? Big thumbs up for that. If you have any comments, questions, or if there's anything you've seen that you think I should try and review, then you can get in contact by emailing cyberbeer at cyberbeer.co.uk. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram using at cyber underscore beer, or you can find us on Facebook by typing in cyberbeer. And if you want to see the process in process, Follow me on Twitter and Periscope. Periscope is just at CyberBeer, all one word. Or you can watch through the Twitter account or on the Facebook account. I go live on Facebook as well. On a Monday and a Tuesday, set your notifications because I never really know when I'm going to go live. Don't have a set time. It depends on the weather. It's sometimes afternoon, sometimes it's evenings. Sometimes it's a bit of both. And occasionally I do a weekend as well, a Saturday or a Sunday. Or both. So just stay tuned to find out what's going on. So like, set your notifications so you're notified when I go live to find out where I am and what I'm doing that week. And remember to subscribe to the podcast so you get the next episode when it drops.